Welcome, everyone, to another installment of Edible Ethics. I'm Jason, and this is... Stephanie. And we're here to talk with you as we get good and high. And I'm feeling pretty high. I am not feeling pretty high, but I know I'm pretty you high. You do? Epistemologically speaking, yeah. you are high? Yeah, there is no doubt because I... I felt myself get high, but right now I don't feel high. I just feel very relaxed. I just feel like uh, if this makes any sense, both a heavier and lighter version of myself. Yes. A heavier version because I can actually feel my whole body. Like I'm aware of my yeah. whole body right now. But, <clears throat> but emotionally, I feel a lot lighter, intellectually, creatively. Like I feel ready to go that's a great description because i right i do have this embodiment but i also feel like i could just float away yeah yeah now you got to get good so let's just well, talk oh, about wait, wait a minute i just want to say when last we spoke i was at five milligrams i still usually at five milligrams when i just do it on my own time but i went to seven for this one wow that is a significant, like that's almost a 50% increase. Oh, that's true. Look at you with your math Yeah, it's, it, I mean, two milligrams, big deal. But right. when okay. your baseline is five milligrams, that's huge. If I did the math right, it's 40%. It's a 40% jump, but it does not matter. What matters is you've got some THC in you. And no, and no CBD. No CBD, yeah. and it's more THC than usual. You, you, you have, well, you have THC, but you also then have a combo. Yes, yeah, so I started with just um, 15 milligrams of the THC, the same one that Stephanie is oh, on, right. uh, right. using. And then about uh, maybe 45 minutes after that, so about 20 minutes ago, I took 30 milligrams of THC CBD matched gummies from two different companies uh, they both tasted delicious. <laughs> but I will mention, Stephanie, before we get into ethics, uh, we'll just talk about the high part. But I have decided that my favorite style of gummy is a larger gummy that takes longer to chew, as distinct from a smaller gummy that you get down quickly. And I didn't expect that because I don't love the taste of of cannabis. But there's something about a larger gum. So this brand Smokies with a Z on the end is the, those are the biggest ones I've found. And they're, they're like the size of a sour peach. You know, it can totally be something about it be more of an experience. Cause I mean, yeah, that's one thing about gummies is it's stripped away a lot of the pleasures that would come from say smoky marijuana. Exactly. Similar. It's, it's like, it's not quite the same, but imagine the distinction between wearing a patch and smoking a cigarette. Yeah, right. These are very different. Right. There's, uh, and, and the smoking had more social pleasure mm -hmm. and had definitely a whole more whole body experience. Mm -hmm. We talked of a previous episode where I mistakenly bought tiny gummies that had 100 milligrams each. 
each tiny gummy had 100 milligrams. And I, so I, they were small to begin with, and they had to cut them up. I, I didn't like that at all. It just felt really weird. But yeah, but really, I think the more your physical experience of ingesting it can match your expected outcomes, mm, the better. Yeah. So eating something substantial makes you set sets you up for a more substantial. Absolutely. This is why portion size and how you plate food is so important in helping people better gauge what it is they're actually putting in their body. Yes, exactly. So we are here and we're actually together in the same space for the first time since episode one. That's right. So this is very exciting. And we are going to talk about artificial intelligence, or at least a particular kind of artificial intelligence that's gotten a lot of attention recently. Because we're probably going to talk about artificial intelligence, unfortunately, quite a bit. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So here we're talking about an actual real-life application that's currently being used, and that is ChatGPT, which is a form of generative AI, which means that it ends up producing outputs. And in this particular context, if you say to ChatGPT, ChatGPT, tell me about uh, the Battle of Yorktown, you'll end up receiving from ChatGPT within seconds a multi-sourced, although not citing those particular sources, but a multi-sourced amalgamation of the content that this generative AI program has learned on. Uh, The algorithm has trained on these data. And so we're going to talk about that particular thing. So it's generative in that it produces content and the content is is novel. It's not a copying. It's not going out and copying sentences that other people wrote. Exactly. It's generating its own novel uh, content in response to questions about history or literature, etc. Anything you like, really. Mm -hmm. So this is a real-life technology. I haven't downloaded it. I haven't really been interested to experiment with it yet. I tried it. Uh, Stephanie has tried it. Yeah. But the reason I'm thinking about it today, the reason that's sort of the topic of the week, is that uh, I just came back from an academic conference that involves a, a, a large number of faculty who focus on pedagogy, that is, who focus on how we teach. And what we teach and what we should be teaching. Right. And what we teach and what we should be teaching. And on top of that, they're especially interested in developing or sometimes validating novel tools that are meant to enhance either the classroom experience or the learner experience or uh, some other aspect of this educational interaction. The conference was geared toward artificial intelligence a little bit to begin with. And on top of that, because, you know, we've got these educators, these innovative educators attending, uh, there were uh, more than I expected, but totally understandable number of presentations on ChatGPT. And so... So you're all primed up here. So you're, I'm all primed up. I've been go. thinking about this. Oh, man. So the big, what, what are the big concerns? Right. So we, we talk about what we're doing is navigating the landscape here. Let's get a little sense of what this looks yep. like. So I've seen just in the papers, right, there's this concern. Students will be using this to cheat, essentially. Yep. That's, the, I guess, the big one. Right. Uh, students will be using this to cheat. 
they're supposed to write papers. They'll be using it to write papers. They're supposed to do research projects. They're supposed to keep journals. What, what, any type of written product they could um, possibly use ChatGPT to produce for them. Yep, that's the biggest concern. That's the biggest concern. There are some other concerns about the potential use of ChatGPT by professors to generate content that definitely would need to be vetted but might not be vetted, especially by an overworked adjunct professor with thousands of online students. I see. So they would cheat at their jobs, essentially. They, they could use it to... Faculty also could use it to cheat at their jobs. To cheat at their jobs, yeah. So was that it? I and, mean... And then there are some other concerns about okay. the possible implications of the... You know, is there a challenge here to the need for edu educators? Because if it's the case that students can effectively self-teach with ChatGPT in real time, you know, do we need the formal education system? Right. So a student could say, tell me about Shakespeare's play Hamlet and ChatGPT could get, deliver them a lecture instead of having to pay someone to, to deliver a similar, similar size le lecture. Precisely. Okay. So there's... The, cheat, the ethical issue of cheating. It is a cheating tool. I mean, how would you describe the other one? Are they just worried for their jobs? I mean, what's the ethical yeah, issue? Yeah, technological there? unemployment. Okay. <laughs> um, and and uh, those big two? Yeah. So students cheating, teachers cheating, and uh, on the one hand, so cheating, and then on the other hand, the sort of concern about technological unemployment and... Uh, turning over the future of education to algorithms. Okay, um, I'm not sure. That doesn't sound like it to me like they're in some sort of ethical conversation. That sounds to me that they're people scared of their jobs. I think that is a fair assessment. And so maybe then, and then they cloak it into some sort of ethical prerogative. If they themselves are made irrelevant by technology, mm -hmm. it's an existential threat <laughs> to the humankind. Whereas, you know, if the bank tellers made irrelevant to technology i don't imagine that they're treating with it with such urgency uh, ethical urgency i mean yeah. you know there's been tons of yeah. jobs that have been made redundant redundant by technology and there hasn't been an ethical outcry i, I think you're probably right yeah. all right so that leaves us with a cheating problem so why don't we reframe this as the big issue that a lot of people have raised about chat gpt in education is that it is going to increase the opportunity for cheating. I find it interesting in terms of the way those two things are connected. The two things being the big ethical issue of cheating and increasing the possibility for cheating. And then the second possibly not ethical issue but being cloaked in ethical terms is teachers are going to lose their job. And the way that those are connected is because education, formal education, post-secondary education is first and foremost if not exclusively, a market and an industry. Yeah, a tool of the state as well. <laughs> I don't know if it's always a tool of the state. No, no, not always. It, it's market-driven. It's about... The commodification. The commodification of the education experience because... And even the fetishization of it. How could it be that you cheat at learning? If learning is happening in a natural context as it happened for tens of thousands of years of human history and evolution. Hundreds of thousands? I don't know. Yep. 
in a, in a context where it wasn't doled out for cost in a separate environment, older people in the your community would teach the younger people as a part of like they would feed them, like mm -hmm. they would clothe them. <laughs> Absolutely. This was just a part of the human experience. So how can you, there's no way you cheat at that. <laughs> there's no cheating. There's only cheating if there's someone creating this structure in which they decide what's in, it's important for you to know and learn and be able to do. And they give you a series of tests to make sure that you can do it according to their standards. Mm -hmm. And they make you pay for that. Mm -hmm. You get the accreditation. So really, if it goes back to the same issue, I don't think they're talking about an ethical issue. I think they're talking about the ways in which this makes what they do irrelevant because it isn't relevant. <laughs> so I think what's just happened is we've transitioned uh, to a different topic for today. So this is topic two uh, that stems naturally from topic one. So topic one was, you know, what is the role of ChatGPT in education? And we got off to a discussion of cheating, which was useful. But then Stephanie got us. It was especially useful for it. Stephanie um, <laughs> because it connected her to a a broader set of ethical questions. And let's face it, if we're talking about establishing the ethical terrain, the landscape that's important to traverse and what's important to have on the map and what's okay to leave out, if we leave out a discussion of the structure of history of need for the formal education systems that we currently have in place, we're making a mistake. We need to address that question. We need to, to really push at what's the point of formal education. And so I think that the ethics of education is now the topic of part two of this episode. So Stephanie, what did I capture it, in it there could that be. was right? Um, Maybe it's not. I mean, that's definitely a thread I like to pull on it. As you know, yeah, but doesn't have to abandon the, the trying the to chat get GPT at, thing. Okay. right. Trying to get at it's it becomes more, which I think is appropriate. What is AI and education revealing to us about education? So that's a really good point. And you know, one of the very first things that this conference highlighted was that one of the very first implications of AI for education is that faculty are using it to enhance their presentations, to create better assignments. Those two things are what educators are using it for. So already we're seeing a net benefit potentially in the education system. You know, the, there's an analogy to a, a bunch of technologies that has entered into the formal education system, as we say, not just education, teaching and learning, that have entered into the education system. I mean, for instance, calculators and it entered into society computers. more broadly. Yeah, and then all the various kind of computers. So insofar as they can force us to have a conversation about the activities that we do need to keep doing as humans <laughs> or that we can turn over to machines, whether they're intelligent or not intelligent. Mm -hmm. So no one does in, I mean, everyone use calculators as you, 
We all carry one with us at all times. And when there's not been a sense, as there was initially, oh, so then we're going to lose something from that. Maybe we didn't, but we don't, not clear what that is. <laughs> So, so with the ChatGPT, one thing I, I used it to do is to generate a summary. I put in the text, say, of our um, conversations here, and you can tell it to summarize. And You're kidding me. This. So you can take the transcript from this, Yes. have it summarized <laughs> by ChatGPT, and when you look at it, it strikes you as a good summary of Oh, that? it's a very good summary, yes. It's an excellent summary. I need to get this technology into my life, Stephanie. <laughs> like, I'm going to use it right in my next book. This is why people are both excited by it and scared you to by it. I wonder if she'll be able to, she. Sure. Oh, that's, that's what I'm calling ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah, I wonder yeah. if she'll be able to identify any plot holes in that novel I've written. Oh, see, there you go. Tighten it up. Because the biggest challenge for me with that, I just, I just introduced characters and then I tried to remember things about them. And then they were always bit characters. They never played more than a you know, 15 minute role in terms of the reader's experience. But, you know, if they reappear, I don't want the, this to be confusing in any way. So, and I never mapped any of that shit Maybe out. Maybe she can do a, she, she can be an editor as well. Well, that would be really good because I believe that that book published under a pseudonym on Amazon will make me a tidy fortune. <laughs> well, it can't be under a pseudonym. Your, your listeners are going to have to know how to find it. So I I used it to do <laughs> I used it to do show notes for our show notes. Fantastic. And I taught writing for a couple of years, a long time ago. And I taught for this woman who was crazy and terrible. And she had a very clear sense of how writing was to be taught. And we were to teach the students first to summarize. They had to be able to know how to summarize before they could to advance to what was sort of higher level writing summaries really writing summaries is pretty hard and it's not clear that that was true at all that <laughs> you need to be able to summarize and either to then to be able to analyze etc 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 so if students are able it's possible that producing summaries is like doing long division by hand I just realized that my active nodding here is not being picked up <laughs> by nodding. the... Well, you can speak now, right? So yeah. it, may, it may be pointing out the parts of the education system in which students are being asked to do things and paying or being are paying to do things that is not maybe particularly value in it, valuable in, in what they learn and what they're looking to learn. Mm -hmm. Now I'm both nodding and... Nodding off. <laughs> no, agreeing with a vocal grunt. So there are definitely industries that I am concerned about. I would say kind of ethically with AI, mostly the creative industries or mm -hmm. the caring industries where I do think. You mean like accounting? <laughs> no, like, no, you know. Yeah, any of the like health professions, or, social work, for yeah, instance. Right where there I think there is tremendous value add with it being a human delivering that content that's part of the richness of those experiences of course those are important human spaces for us to protect I just don't feel the same way about the higher education industry which that's where we go back to this other discussion that we could potentially have 
more robustly at some point about ethics the, the ethics of the education system system i do love when you channel your inner ivan illich <laughs> on our i'm going to link to ivan illich in in, awesome. in the short notes so uh, can oh, can i react to the chat gbt thing or do oh, you please, have, or yeah. do you know what you know what you wanted to say next no react yeah okay so first off i read a lot about the capacities of chat gbt but as i said never I've never downloaded it, never interacted with it. Part of the reason I was a little scared of that is because of these sort of bizarre conversations that some people have had with uh, generative bots, these like ChatGPT, where, where they came to believe that they were somehow conscious. The person that, that is was engaging in conversation with chat gpt but chat gpt was to that person a person um and so were you scared you were gonna fall in love or you were scared you were gonna get in trouble <laughs> probably the latter i just think i would have been frozen okay. I, I just think I'd, i wouldn't have known what to do you would have been in trouble because you were then i would have been in trouble probably yeah you, you would have so what you're saying is do this if I am going to do this, make sure I do it on a privately owned device using. <laughs> no, I meant I think I think that you would think that if you ascribed consciousness to chat GPT, mm -hmm. the consciousness would be such that you were being judged and you were being watched. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. So we can just turn we can we just turn that that over to chat GPT. Mm -hmm. being an overbearing mother <laughs> yeah well more or less what i was thinking but nonetheless to hear you talk about the i know ways you got that super you excited it, <laughs> and a very basic use well that's just it maybe i don't need to be scared of these other things because it's not like i need to get sucked into a vortex of you know entropy right there uh, i can just go in and have it help me clean up you know a plot line or Yep. Summarize. Uh, like I just wrote a twenty-three hundred word essay, and I need a seventy-five word abstract. I could ask it to to, and you know, I don't worry about that because it's not. It's helping to create something from my work exclusively. So you don't think your fac faculty friends would see that as cheating at your job? I don't think so because I am relying. So the ChatGPT is summarizing my work exclusively for me. So it's basically an extension of my will. But if I were to say, here's a 75-word abstract, write me a 2,300-word paper. More problematic. Way more problematic <laughs> because it's not going to be drawing on my work. Right. It's not going to be writing 2,300 words based on my 75-word abstract. Yeah, right. Um, so, so I'd be yeah. very interested to make that distinction. So, you're, yeah, your work is intellectual, not written. It can be produced in written form, but the, the work is the intellectual Absolutely. work behind the written, the written form. Which is, Absolutely. In the same way, like, so um, how do you get a transcription of a, a conversation? Right. I just use a transcription service online. It just same thing. It's just not... Intelligence. It's just <laughs> computational yeah. power. Yeah, exactly. It's um, well, it is. It's artificially 
uh, efficient or, you know, it's like it does its job. It's designed to do. Mm -hmm. So, but then back to it being, if if it were cheating by, by the students, the idea that they're being asked to produce certain types of writing and they themselves need, have to be able to produce it themselves. I don't imagine a future in which that's true. It's probably not. If AI can produce the same type right. of writing, why do these students need to do so? And I have to say, I took a writing intensive major. I've had writing intensive jobs. I've never had to do the kind of writing that I had to do in university. No connection. This idea that you, a large percentage of it are going to go out and produce research papers yeah. or five-page reflections, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Never do the kind of writing that I did in university and didn't learn how to do the kind of writing that I did have to do in university. So for what it's worth, I have used every writing skill I ever learned from kindergarten through my postdoctoral fellowship at every step in my entire working career. <laughs> of course, that's because I'm still in university. <laughs> you never left the clothes. <laughs> system never left the closed system precisely <laughs> so what i was going to ask earlier was what are these what were these presentations on was it one interesting or compelling argument you heard at this conference either for or against ai i hope no one's listening from this conference <laughs> you know a couple of things came out whether in presentations or in conversations because this is a relatively small kind of boutique conference of educators um one of the things that i heard that was important was a a sort of generic advice to be sure you know what you're signing on to or signing up for both generic and completely in in the top 10 of useless advices that's way up there you mean toward toward number one? It's yeah. somewhere up there, okay. Because none of us are ever sure <laughs> that we know what we're signing up for. In fact, the premise of human society is that we are not sure. We don't know what we're signing up for. We, there was no, we would have done none of this if we had any idea what we're signing up No one ever get married. No one ever have babies. No one ever leave their house if they understood what they were signing up for. <laughs> All right. So the ethicists tell us, make sure you know what you're signing up for. We're good and high. (laughs) Stephanie is making me doubt my entire memory of this conference. (laughs) Someone must have said something. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I learned about this idea of you have to upload content in order to be able to download content. And so one of the ways that kids are getting away with restrictions, for instance, on chat GPT in the classroom or whatnot, um, is that they are paying paper mills in order to access material not otherwise available on the internet. But in order to do that, they have to upload so many of their own papers, which then become part of the property of this company that's making a profit from this all right and so what, what what's the issue there well i just learned about that all right that that happens and 
So one of the concerns is about who owns the intellectual copyright. And that's, of course, more of a legal consideration than a properly ethical one. So is supporting this kind of unethical industry over here that, that has to do with paper mills and yes. stealing student product? Yeah. Yes. So again, this is not very useful advice. So we're going to can this whole discussion. No. <laughs> but think about, think about that. Think about what's happening here. Yeah. Students are paying teachers and an educational ins institution to teach them something and then they're paying people over here <laughs> to convince the education institution that they've learned it yes does that strike, strike you as an ethical system altogether <laughs> like something's profoundly going wrong there and it's not ai right <laughs> yes i think you're right <laughs> So the fact that maybe AI is, is greasing those wheels, is, mm -hmm. well, the wheels are, they just need to be done. The whole thing needs to be, you can't have people, oh, yeah. I'm going to pay you to learn this. But the way that you're teaching it or the context that you're teaching it or the reasons that you're teaching it are so unimportant to me and so uninteresting and so not with my time. I'm also going to pay these people over here so I don't have to learn it. Like students are having to pay for both learning something <laughs> and not learning it. <laughs> <laughs> they're screwed. Uh, there was something else you said that I wanted to react to with more than just a hearty chuckle. <laughs> the hearty chuckle of highness. That could be my nickname. I could be the hearty chuckler of highness. You need to do this with a notepad so you just leave notes for your future self. <laughs> your future self being three minutes down the conversation. Right. So it's not like I've studiously went to the chat GPT sessions to try to discern what ethical lessons. Okay. It's just that it was interesting to me to see how quickly this technology had infiltrated the society of scholars, this relatively small group of scholars who look at these things i mean it's what everybody's talking about it's what everyone's and, talking about and i didn't realize you know i'm not talking about it mainly because i'm scared of it but now i'm less scared of it since you know <laughs> it being the consciousness that lurks behind <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst cackle i ever made in my life but yes the the, the thing is you missed the visual of stephanie sort of She's about eight feet away from me now, but she leaned forward about two feet you. with her arms in the air, making herself look big like she were trying to scare off like a bear. Chat GBT. Yeah, and that's the consciousness lurking beneath. <laughs> okay, so back to AI. And education. And education. I am now... So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm now intrigued by the possibility that ChatGPT could help me maybe make some of my material more accessible. Right. So now that it's useful, yeah. it's got to be ethical. No, no, no. Because <laughs> I'm about to say, um, I'm also thinking, I it's been for a while, I need to try to design assignments that are ChatGPT proof. But how on earth am I going to do that? Um, well, and then becomes part of it because it's, the, yeah, it's more difficult for you to do that. Yeah. And it's way more difficult for you to grade it. Yeah. And so then I was, I was going to say, well, then 
is there an ethical issue here that the very existence of this technology is already making me change my pedagogical style? And, you know, I thought, no, this is good. ChatGPT is challenging me here. So now I'm thinking, well, it might be useful to me. And, you know, I'm now conceding the second point. So, yes, it must be ethical, at least. Utilities ethic and ethical concern? Yeah, at, at some, you know, yet-to-be-defined scale and with some yet-to-be-defined penetration. Yes. Yay, I. Oh, no. Terrible. <laughs> you know one way you could chat GBT proof your assignments? No. By which we mean give students assignments that chat GBT wouldn't be executing for them? You could do that by giving your students an assignment that they want to do and that they feel compelled to do themselves. You know what? I 100% agree with you. And that, that's sort of one of the key things I've been thinking about is how do I make the assignments authentic to the students? Now, part of the reason that was, that's been in the background of my mind is that two parts of it. One of it is I'll be teaching a big ethics course again in the spring that I haven't taught in over a decade. And, you know, I'm just not sure that what I did 10 years ago is going to be appropriate. And so I'm going to really have to dig in here and see, well, what's going to make it appropriate. And it's not just that it's chat GTP, GPT proof, which just means, as you put it, the students um, desire to do the assignment themselves without having to rely on chat GPT. That's, you know, what I'm looking for in an assignment. Um, but I was thinking about it even more because I'm also like to come up with a smaller course that is designed specifically for biology majors to be useful to them. So a philosophy course for biology majors that will be useful to biology majors. So I've been thinking for years about how to, um, what are some authentic assignments that I can develop all of a sudden, education is becoming, a, a sort of pedagogy is becoming really interesting to me again. That's a good thing. I think so. I think I've really been prepping myself in the right way. And it didn't have anything to do with ChatGPT in the, initially, but now, as Stephanie points out, what I've effectively done is made ChatGPT redundant rather than my teaching and my assignments. I love it. And you know, one thing I kind of say about AI, because I think about AI, artificial intelligence is to intelligence what artificial cheese is to cheese. <laughs> and if you want... How dare you degrade <laughs> cheese by including it in the same sentence as artificial intelligence. No, that's perfect, you're right. So, artificial intelligence is as artificial, artificial is as intelligent as artificial cheese is cheese. And so if you don't want your students going to AI to get their knowledge and learning, then offer them cheese. Stop offering them Velveeta. Exactly. Let's don't knock against Velveeta. No, it's, in fact, Velveeta is quite delicious. Yeah, but you shouldn't be paying, you know, $20,000 a year. Exactly. For for, <laughs> or for the advice to use it. 
in fact, I think I haven't had Velveeta in years, but I still remember distinctly what it tastes like. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a good memory for me. Yeah, you can melt it on some cheese, on some nachos pretty easily. Yeah, like exactly. Right. Or I was thinking, you know, mix it into a... But don't put it on your charcuterie board. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be invited back. In that, in that well, we had a charcuterie board earlier, <laughs> didn't we? That's right. It was we, so we good. Pre, we pre-gamed with charcuterie. We had some cheese. <laughs> All right. Oh, so we end these conversations with major takeaway. What's your major takeaway? You know what, Stephanie? I'm going to own up to the very quick transition we were able to make through your reasoning from thinking about the ethics of AI and education to thinking about the ethics of the formal education system altogether. Um, I think that was a really useful way of helping expand the moral landscape here that's worth exploring. Um, yeah, it makes the problems bigger, but we can still also focus on the, some of the subsidiary problems. Uh, but we need to address the big one, too. In a connected way, my major takeaway is when you have a group of people concerned about a new experience or technology, including people concerned about the ethics, it's good to know where the money is. Mm -hmm. Like who's benefiting and who's losing in this situation. So yeah, you and, could and do that with- And who's losing the worst. Right, who is the most to lose? That's good, that's a good lens I think to see, not the only lens, but it's a good lens to look at a lot of ethical issues. Like who's winning and who's losing? And is it good because these people are gonna win and is it bad because these people are gonna lose? Absolutely great question. All right. Well, I hope, I don't know what I hope for. <laughs> I uh, can't remember how we end these things. Well, I hope, we both hope that you enjoyed our ramblings today as we tried to get good and high. And that you'll join us next time. This is Jason. And Stephanie. Have a good one.